You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Ryan. This is yet another two-part episode where we feature comedian Ian Laura and actor Christina Jackson. In our first segment, which is hosted by Ryan, we welcome comedian Ian Laura. Ian is a star on the rise by the way of Comedy Central and HBO's Latinos Entre Nos franchise, which spotlights the best Latinx stand-up talent on the scene. You can currently see him there, which is right now streaming on HBO Max, which he did so well the streamer gave him his upcoming hour. His appearance on Comedy Central's stand-up featuring has garnered over 10 million views collectively on social media, and he was a regular on the network hit series This Week at the Comedy Cellar. In our second segment, hosted by yours truly, we welcome actor Christina Jackson. She plays Daisy Brown in the film Devotion, which right now is playing in theaters. She also will star alongside Regina King, Lucas Hedges, and Andre Holland in the upcoming Netflix film called Shirley, which tells the story of the trailblazing political icon Shirley Chisholm, the first black congresswoman and the first black woman to run for president. In Devotion, she plays Daisy Brown, the wife of Jesse Brown, played by actor Jonathan Majors, and that is now playing in theaters, which if you have not checked it out, Devotion is an incredible film and worth seeing. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring comedian Ian Lara and actor Christina Jackson. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and let me also welcome you to your first session of How to Survive Being Single in 2022. And it's not just me ranting, it's not me ranting. I have an expert. He has field tested these theories. If you do not, if you do not believe me, I'm telling you right now, go to HBO Max, check out his special romantic comedy. It will have you dying, laughing, hilarious. I'm so excited to welcome Ian Lara to the podcast. Did I say it right, Ian? Say it for yeah, me right if I didn't do it. Right. Okay. You okay. I right. want to make sure. I got to get this right, y'all. He's an expert. I got to get it right. How you doing, Ian? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. Um, Before we get into this special, because this has so many cool layers to it. It was so funny. Um, I want to kind of talk to you about Comedy Seller. Because I'm reading, okay, 10 million. He got about 10 million views, 10 million hits on this. Now, I'm thinking it's because you told us the perfect line of Tupac to put in our Mother's Day card. But what <laughs> do you think, like, what do you think amounted to that 10 million views? And how do you feel about that? That's, I mean, that's an, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, it, I, honestly, I think that was one of the jokes that made people share it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in, uh, in to go, I, for me, I feel like the videos that tend to go viral tend to hit. 
it's not just like funny, like because funny is one thing, but it's also like people have to feel like, hey, this is me right, for them yeah. to put that share button. Like, so I think in like a lot of the material, people are like, this is also me. Like I've had this experience and then they hit that share button. Yeah, you know, speaking of share though, I checked out your IG because getting into romantic comedy here, I thought it was so cool. I always love when celebrities go around and find their billboards and you're in yeah. New York going around. Was that you just like going around finding them? Like I saw some in the subway Yeah, um, when you're walking down the well, street. How was that? Those were like people sent them to me. Those were. Oh, wow. Cool. That's yeah. dope. That's dope. People were just sending them to me. Yeah. Which is very, very cool. But I've been out, to be honest, I've been out. I've been in the subway. I've seen it like twice. And then yeah. I, went, I was driving and I saw it when I was driving, but I haven't seen it enough. I feel like I want to, I, I got to see it more. I know it's there for like two more weeks, but I'm going to go out to like, really like explore the city with it. Yeah. That'd be cool to kind of like take it in. Cause I, I know now you're on the press tour of it all, but just kind of take it in that you got your billboards up. That's cool. Yeah, that is, that was very, very cool. Very, very cool. Especially being from New York and riding mm-hmm. the subway my whole life, seeing that. That's a, that's a just, I can't put words on that. Okay, so let's get into a little bit here about the the single side of it all, being single, because I thought this was hilarious how you pointed out some of this, this stuff here. Um, So, well, I guess let me back up for a minute, though, because I always wanted for a comedian, because you put on the jacket, right, looking real cool, had the swag going up to the stage. What does that moment feel like? Because you look like you can tell the wheels were turning. Like, that was an intense, that was an intense walk up the steps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely dramatized. Um, well, for me, I kind of, I kind of was just like, you kind of just try to get in that zone where it was like, all right, it was like all the work you wrote these jokes, you went on tour, you worked them out, you were on stage every night, you did the work. It's like a boxer going to the ring. Now it's just time to like go perform. Like this is it. So I was kind of just like in the zone and hyping myself up. Um, I'll be honest. At that point, I wasn't really nervous. I was, I had more of an attitude. Like, all right, I'm a you got to go out there and mess this crowd up, you know, like you got to go do it. Like they're here, they're here. Like you have to do it. You have to just bring them, bring, bring, bring the pain. I remember like, and I, um, like Chris Rock is one of my favorite comics and all his yeah. early specials. He used to do that. That's what he captured. He always captured the walk to the stage, which is like a boxer going into the ring. Like if you watch, like when Tyson used to walk into the ring, yeah. like it was game time. Like it was just, all right, now, now we've trained, we worked hard. Now it's time to do this. Now, when well, you were ready, you had game time ready because you was like, you had on your good outfit because you said you don't play after COVID no more. Like, you ready yeah. with the outfits. You ready to go. So, you it was it was no games there. But yeah. talk about, I'm curious what you thought because you talked a lot about your friends. When you brought up male ego, which I thought was so interesting and brave for you to do because everybody's not going to admit this. When you talked yeah. about God's ego and then just like the overconfidence. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Like, share a little bit about that with the listeners. And then did your friends have anything where they're like, man, how you going to give away all our secrets like that? Well, not my friends, because my honestly, <laughs> I was I was just speaking about this. Not my friends, because ninety five percent of ninety eight percent of the men who watch, like they understand, like they're laughing because I'm I'm not like I'm not making fun of them as like from the outside. I'm making yeah, fun yeah. Of them from the inside. I'm like, this is me. Like I like the joke about the the, the huge ego. I'm like, I love it. I love the fact that <laughs> we just wake up and we're like, yep, I'm the man now, and. You can ask them who told you you're good at that, and we're like, "What? Nobody. I just I'm the man at this. Like I, I I'm I'm accepting that, and I'm like, this is a cool part about being a man. We're just like we just wake up and we're confident about stuff. Um, but there was like a small percentage of like men who are like, "What? What are you a woman now? Why are you taking?" And I'm just like, "Listen, these are jokes. Like I'm just I'm just telling jokes, and it's very tongue in cheek. Like I'm being silly about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah." Well, see, I don't know why they say that, though, because I think that's one of the cool things about comedy. And one of the things I loved about the special was it was so real. 
Because if you think about it, I had I started thinking about it. I was like, well, yeah, like as women, we do have certain standards where you're like, man, are all the men like, well, now I don't even need to try. I don't even, I don't even need to step up. Because I remember you mentioned Michael B. Jordan. Like all that now is what you guys are like up against now. What, um, how did you kind of prepare, I guess, for that, some of that stuff or that? Was that really just like, okay, field test and I'm going to just be 100% honest about me going out here dating and what I'm seeing now in 2022? Because it has, I mean, it's different. I think, I think I just, I think I wrote one joke and I just kept digging in. Like, I think it just, yeah. like, I didn't plan it out. Like, it wasn't like a vision board where I was like, I'm going to attack this. Right. I think I just wrote one joke and I just kept digging in. I think the first joke might have been the, the first joke that might have been probably the women don't get sad after breakups anymore. Like, you get into <laughs> an argument. Yep. Right, and then they just leave. Like they just leave. I think that was the first thing, and then I started doing that joke, and people like were like, "That's so true," and like women mm-hmm. were like, "That's so true." That I was like, "Let me dig in. Let me go in. Let me keep going in. Like, let me keep peeling, keep peeling." And I just kept going. Like I just kept going, and it started. It starts growing. It starts growing. It starts growing. I talk about men having a type, and you know, but the type don't matter to men. Like women can stick to the type. It, I just kept peeling, and then. I felt like I got to a point where I was like, all right, well, I, I've, I've attacked the woman side of this. Let me go to men. Like, let me see it. Like, let me give it from a man's perspective now. And that's when I go into like the ego and the thing and then the therapy and all that stuff. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I just kept like peeling the onion. I just kept peeling back the layers. But, you know, speaking of the breakup, have you given out your actual birthday yet, though? <laughs> yeah the horoscope yeah yeah that was like that, that was like a funny that was like just a funny idea that i had yeah uh, cause, yeah because 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 girls now like they'll ask that right away the the when yep. when were you born thing so i, I was just thinking about because I, I think i actually like i was talking to a girl and she asked me that and i don't know too much about horoscopes but i was just like what's the match with your horoscope and she told me and i was like yeah i'm that <laughs> i'm just like i'm that she lied it and, up uh, for you came from there (laughs) that's great yeah I thought that was hilarious I was like who even thinks it was just so on timing about all the little details you don't think you don't know that you're doing but it's definitely like pull out that Facebook page I know this this and this about him before you go on um online dating like you didn't I I don't know if you got like maybe that's your next special is online dating but all of that stuff is just like right there for you to look at yeah I actually had done I actually um have done like I did a stuff for my comedy central i had i had tackled online dating where i was oh, just okay like, i'm gonna check that out then yeah and the comedy central one where i was like that's just the way to meet now like, uh, mm-hmm. like that's the joke i was like if if when i meet people who tell me they met in person like i think they're perverts like that was like the angle of it um but yeah but i, I like i've 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 tackled like all of it uh, dating so much that for like when i did the special i was like i really want to like dig in on this like and and then it and it just it ended up working out. I mean, even with the title romantic comedy, like it just makes sense. Yeah. And, then, you know, one last thing I want to touch on here, because people got to go check this out, because I'm telling you, you'll be dying for like 30 minutes. You'll need more. Like I needed an hour. I wanted it to keep going. But Dang, um, the last. Good. Yeah, good. I know. I want to really want to. The thing that that um I really identify with, though, is I'm 32 and I had to get an air fryer when I when I moved to my house. I did have to get an air fryer. I yeah. was like, how does he know? Like, how did he know this is the thing? You yeah. know, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a therapist yet. You know, like I, I, I might need to work on that part, but I do have the air fryer. You got the first part. You got the air fryer part. I got the first part. Um, I don't know. I just like my brain of humor. I just love comedy that is funny that you laugh first, obviously, but I love it when the audience goes, that's true. Especially when it's something as like out there as like, 
buying an air fryer. Like it's so much, it's so funny the times I did that joke and people in the audience was like, yeah, you do got to get an air fryer once you turn 30. And I don't really know how I came up with that. Like I have an air fryer and I was yeah. just like, everyone and I don't know, use like, it. I don't use it at all. Right, right. Everyone I know just <laughs> speaking about, like be speaking about air fryers. Yeah. So I was just like, I just threw in that line with therapy. Um, But yeah, I just like, like when I write, I just try to really touch into, like I go from within, obviously, like I'm like, what am I, like what am, what is life for, for me like and is it like this for other people and if it is then I like try to dig in on that and you know too speaking of like life for other people and just being like we always talk about diversity and inclusion because you have to one day we won't have to say it because so many people it'll be so many people in different lanes that don't have to worry about it yeah. but I'm thinking about um director um Ida Rodriguez that you work with she is hilarious by the way definitely caught some of her stand-ups so I'm gonna imagine you got right the best I'm imagine you guys in the room right you talk about Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, like just being able to put that together in a stand-up where it's like, I feel like there are certain jokes, you know, certain cultures cannot make. Just in my opinion. I mean, I know it's comedians, so you yeah. can, you know, you can kind of reach how you want to reach. But I think it's something special about being able to bring that culture to it, that side that everybody else might not know about, like something different. Yeah, no, Ida, like me and Ida, first of all, me and Ida have been close for like eight years. Like I met Ida eight years ago. We had the same manager and she's been like a big sister to me from the beginning. So we like us doing this together was just like just made sense. Like from mm -hmm. the minute we met, Ida was like, I want to work with you. Like and and likewise. So like working with her was just it was honestly a dream come true. Like she can, as long as she wants to work, she can direct every special I ever do. <laughs> if she's up, if she's up for it, like it was just thing. And, and like you said, yeah, like we would get on the phone and talk about it and we would talk bits and we would talk, you know, like vision. And we, I mean, the, the name romantic comedy, I mean, like I, I thought of it, but it was through her guidance because she was like, Hey, we need to title this a name more of like what it is. And through her telling me that, like nobody else was telling me that. This is like Ida being a visionary and having that artistic mind with a lot of things from like what I'm wearing, like what I'm wearing, like I had like many options and Ida was like, this is the look. No, you do not, you have to wear this. You're gonna right. look like this. And then we title it romantic comedy and it's gonna look smoky and it's gonna look sexy and it's gonna look, you know, and it's gonna go with what we're what you're talking about and it's just gonna make sense. And obviously I trusted her and it was just great. Yeah, it was. I hope people go to HBO Max and check this out because it was hilarious. And like I said, you talk about HBO Latino, just having that mix, something different. Jokes people wouldn't even think to come up with because it's your culture, your background, things you know about. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, that's another thing. Um, But like you said, like you mentioned this like up top, like uh, for me, like the biggest sign of growth, the biggest sign of like acceptance and equality is when you don't have to talk about it. So it's like yep. that I didn't want to do a special for HBO where I was talking about being latino the whole time like right me, exactly yeah freedom of like being a dominican american comedian talk about whatever you want like just how mm -hmm. like you know white people get to talk about whatever experience it is whatever experience it is no one's telling a white person to speak about being white right, right? Yep. speak about what you want um that's what i want for like minorities and all of us it's like if you want to tell a story about your upbringing or what it's like in your culture that's great but I don't think the industry should have to should be able to tell you you have to talk about this in order to get that opportunity. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that's my goal. I wanted I wanted to show everybody like, hey, we can talk about whatever we want. Well, you did a great job of it. And I'm excited for people to check out. Listen, favorite romantic comedy. Thank you so much. My favorite romantic comedy, I would say uh, uh, two. I'll, I'll say either 40 year old version or knocked <laughs> up. 
Those are oh, see, I should have fished you. That's what you're gonna say. Those both are hilarious. Both will have you like rolling for for days. You still thinking about yeah. what's going on? What's going on? So hilarious. Yeah. I'm about, I need to go. I'm gonna go catch up on that. I need to catch up on both of those. Yeah. It's been a minute. A since third, a third one, one. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Oh yeah, that is it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See, I can see you doing a cameo on another Wedding Crashers. They bring it back. I can see the cameo. They actually are bringing it back, and it's filming in Dominican Republic. I'm like, you guys got to put me in this. Like, there you go. Me? What about the clear sign? Clear sign. Yeah. Come on, guys. Where you at? It's, clear look, sign. It's 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 a thir- it's a second one filming in Dominican Republic, and it's for HBO Max. I'm like, hello. What? Come on now. Come on. Right. I mean, I'm talking about who else they looking at right now. I'm just saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, I appreciate it. Real quick, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow up on you. Got tour dates coming up or anything like that? Yes, um, I'm at IanLaraLive.com. That's IanLaraLive.com. Ian Lara Live on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. Um, check me out. We're, we, I have one more uh, road date for the rest of the year. And then next year, we're doing like, I mean, we've we got like 15 cities already. We're doing like a big, big tour going out there and really hitting like every city and trying to, I got to build, I got to get new jokes. I got to build a, a new, uh, a new, hopefully build a new special, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. More billboards to come. I'm ready for it. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ian. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan. Jamie Broadnax, Black Girl Nurse. Hey, Christina. How's it going? Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's good to see you again, by the way. I, I know we had a brief uh, chat. In Toronto. Over- Yes, at the after party. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So you are in Devotion, which uh, was obviously such a great film to watch, and it was very well received in Toronto. And you're co-starring mm-hmm. with Jonathan Majors, who yes. plays your husband in the film. So tell us about your character, Daisy, and what it meant to you being in this important Ooh. movie. Um, I play Daisy Pearl Brown, the wife of Jesse Brown, Ensign Jesse Brown, who is the first Black naval aviator. And um, in reading the script, I was like, okay, there's, I love period pieces, so this is right up my alley. But in reading the script and reading about the love and the connection between the two of them, I was like, okay, there's something here. And then I had my first conversation with JD, um, our director, JD Dillard. And he very quickly let me know how important Daisy was to the film. And then the first conversation I had with Jonathan, he was like, you know, Daisy is sanctuary. And then I went and read Jesse's letters to Daisy. And it's just four pages of a man telling a woman that no one has ever loved anyone the way that I love you and as much as I love you. And so the weight on my shoulders was on um, because Daisy's a real person. She's not just a character. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to show this as honestly and as um, authentic as you can. But no one really knows the conversations that Daisy and, and Jesse were having when they were you know, together and, and not surrounded by anyone else. So, I mean, for me, just coming into this and everybody is saying that Daisy is the heartbeat of the film. I'll take right. that, but that's more pressure. <laughs> that's more <laughs> pressure. Um, and so for me, it's just, it's just been walking that line of being true to who I think Daisy was with the materials that I have, her interviews, um, the book, 
And um, yeah, I just, I just, it's just been being as honest to her memory as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I know it's a lot of pressure, but I agree. She, she certainly <laughs> is the heartbeat of this film. And, you know, as we see this film um, unravel and unfold, there's some really interesting moments too with the, the family of, yes. of this movie. And mm -hmm. what I really loved too was, you know, we mentioned before recording this that we were both at Toronto Film Festival and the family of Jesse Brown was also there in attendance. So how close of a relationship did you form with them during the process of making this film? So the Browns and the Hudners were there. And the Browns oh. and the Hudners have a relationship. Um, okay. So now it's kind of um, Daisy and Tom had a relationship, a friendship after uh, everything. And then Jessica and Tom's son, Jessica being Daisy's granddaughter, um, they have a friendship now. And so it's it's beautiful to see that these people are still connected and still very much affected by things that happened 70 years ago. It doesn't, it's it's still wild to hear that come out of my mouth in real time. Yeah. Um, but again, for me, I had a conversation with Jessica. She was kind of designated as the spokesperson, but also the gatekeeper. And so without having a conversation with Jessica, I couldn't have a conversation with Pam, who was actually... Um, Daisy and Jesse's daughter, but also, you know, Pam was really young when all of this went down, so she doesn't really remember much. And so as far as the relationship, it just was having the conversation. It just was asking, yeah. you know, memories. Um, I saw a lot of video of Daisy in my prep, but Daisy was much older when I was watching these. So there's not much that I could take away from how she was in her late sixties to apply to how she was in, you know, her early twenties. Um, but I mean, after seeing the first cut, Jessica reached out to me and thanked me for my version of Daisy. And that's all I could ever really ever, ever, ever ask for short of Daisy giving me her blessing herself. That's awesome. Does it, does it help you as an actor to have that direct feedback? from the family or how does that inform you as a performing artist um, having the people that were actually involved in the story? I think, I think it's important. Um, but again, it's so much time, you know, Jessica wasn't actually there when Jesse and Daisy were having these conversations. Mm -hmm. And in the film, you don't, actually see Jesse and Daisy court each other get together you're coming at a very specific point in time in their relationship and so you know it's beautiful to be able to be thanked for my portrayal and my version given the tools that it was that I had available but also um it gets really tricky with families because they know a certain version of a person mm -hmm. and so you know Jessica knows Daisy as a grandmother she doesn't know her as a, a, a wife to Jesse and as a mother to Pam necessarily at the time that we're looking at the film. But from each family member that has come to me, it's been an overwhelming sense of gratitude of my portrayal and my intention. And so that is a very special and beautiful thing that I can take with me. 
Absolutely. I found myself Googling about Jesse Brown after watching the movie because I was so struck by this story. First of all, Jesse was fine, okay? No disrespect to Daisy, but that was a beautiful, attractive name. <laughs> 100%. And having mm-hmm. Jonathan play him was top notch. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so was Jesse and Daisy's story also new for you? And what resonated with you the most while, while working on this project? Absolutely new to me. I know nothing of aviation. I know nothing of the Korean War, um, but I love period pieces. And so to be a part of this has just been, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, For me, again, in reading the script, there's a particular line where when you meet Daisy in the script, um, her definition and her introduction in the directions are Jesse's wife, his anthem, his heartbeat. And to describe someone as an anthem and as a heartbeat in 1950 is, is a very, very beautiful introduction that only the actor gets to see. That's, that's something that I come into when reading it. And so it took a tone as I was reading the script, but again, I mean, with the way that JD described her to me, our first Zoom session, and the way that Jonathan described her to me in our first Zoom session. And then when I read Jesse's letters and I see how much he loves this woman. And when you read the book and you see how many things that they went through, they went through some very, very, very deep tumultuous and I don't mean from each other I mean from society there were times that Jesse would wear his navy whites and people thought that he was impersonating an officer there are some times where they wouldn't let Daisy on the base because they don't believe that there's a black naval aviator um there are all of these things and so to see the things that this couple went through and how they turned into each other um There's a love there that I have never experienced. I've talked to Pam, their daughter, and she never read Jesse's last letter either. And when she did, she's prayed for a love like this. Um, It's all the more beautiful to be able to even secondhand come in and try to recreate that love between the two of them. I mean, Jonathan is... (laughs) Let's talk about it. Jonathan is he's not a he's not a bad person to do this with I'm just saying but it was it was very important to me to be able to go into it honestly and to find those moments between these two characters and to really be able to show that he's able to go be in the sky because he is so grounded at home absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. I was looking at your IMDb uh profile okay and I noticed that you did some stunt work in your career no. is this true no, no. no that that has to be another Christina Jackson because I am as clumsy <laughs> it well then you need to get long. that corrected because it is under your profile yeah it says you did stunt work <laughs> okay now what I was on a show um where I did you know, like do my own sense of like jumping out of a window and stuff, but I, that can't be what they're talking about. It has to be another Christina who's a stunt woman. <laughs> there has to be, there okay. has to be. 
Okay. All right. We, we, we gotta we gotta get that edited and corrected okay. on the profile. So <laughs> is is there a genre of film that you would love to sink your teeth into as a performing artist? A genre of film. Something that is not known about me is I love space. I love the universe. I love, um, you know, my dad was a, he's a Trekkie. He loves Stargate. He loves all of those things. I think um, the, the way that you can create and maneuver in space, the way that you can invent languages and, you know, um, customs and all of that, I think that's a really, really amazing frontier I mean, we have so much that's available to us in the way of, um, you know, space. But I mean, truly, 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 that's something that I'm interested in. I there seem to be a lot of projects that are coming out now that are like post-apocalyptic, um, yeah. but still very much dealing in Earth. But no, I mean, if you're telling me that the universe is ever expansive, then let's get more into that. And as a Gemini. I will say a good psychological thriller. I'll take yeah. that. I'll take yes. that. I'll take yes. it. Mm-hmm. Or we could just fuse both psychological thriller and space. Kind of like okay. A... <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with all of the things. All of the things. <laughs> yeah, I love it as well. That's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also starring in the film Shirley, along with mm-hmm. Regina King, which is a, a biopic about the life of Shirley Chisholm. So tell us about the role that you're playing in that movie. Very fascinating. So I play current California Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Um, in her college years, she um, basically is seeing history change in real time and wants to be a part of it. Um, And so she joins Shirley's campaign. And I got to actually speak to Barbara and um, I got to talk to her and, and just understand what the importance was. And I am familiar with Shirley Chisholm, but there are so many people who aren't. There are so many people who think that Hillary Clinton is the first person to run, first woman to run for president. And it's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You know, before there was Clinton, there was Chisholm. Right. And when you talk to Barbara Lee, she is, she'll tell you that Shirley was talking about feminism and intersectionality then, you know, in 1972. And for it to be 50 years since Shirley ran, and for her story to be, again, much like Jesse's, so unknown, um, I'm really happy to be a part of this cast. I'm really happy to be a part of this story and telling it. And Regina as Shirley is just top notch. Um, she told me that she had been trying to get this movie made for a very long time. And to be here at this time 50 years since Shirley has ran is kind of special. And so I can't wait for everybody to see it. John Ridley is directing and he wrote the script. We have an amazing, amazing cast. Again, I don't know how I get to be among so many incredibly talented people, but it was another set that I was on where we were doing beautiful work and telling a very... I I won't say that the story of Shirley is beautiful, but it's inspiring 
in in so many ways and um again done at the highest level with uh some really really beautiful people so that is something that I'm very excited for people to see and be educated about Absolutely. I mean, what parallels with the story of Shirley Chisholm that you're going to be starring in and then this film Devotion is it's one of those other sort of hidden figure stories that people Mm -hmm. haven't really been taught about that didn't really know. And I'm so happy that finally Shirley Chisholm's story is going to be told on the big screen. So very happy that you're a part of it. And I had no idea that Barbara Lee worked with Shirley Chisholm. So that is something new. I just found out. (laughs) I mean, if you go, if, I mean, if you look at the documentaries, if you go to her Instagram page, if you look on Twitter, she's very much um, present about how much she talks about Shirley. I know Shirley used to wear a set of pearls that Barbara Lee actually has. And so, um, again, it's one of those things where uh, in the film, Barbara has this fire in her because it's like, no, 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 no. You know, there is this possibility that in 1972, we can get this smart, courageous Black woman to be the leader of the free world absolutely understand why she would drop everything and go be a part of this. And so um, Barbara's another one who has a very, very expansive story. Um, She's always revealing more things about herself. The more decisions we get from the Supreme Court, the more stuff that happens in Washington. She's another person that um, I'm very happy to be able to play and display to people because it is showing her in another space and in another time. Lastly, what do you hope, you know, obviously this film is so significant and it's going to impact audiences. And I mentioned myself that I went to Google and just started looking up Jesse Brown (laughs) and really wanting to learn more about his story. So what do you hope audiences will take away from seeing this film on the big screen when Devotion comes out in theaters? Just the exposure of knowledge to this story. I mean, you know, there's the Korean War is called the Forgotten War because of so many components, because it's coming off of the hills of, you know, World War II and it's right before Vietnam. And those are two really, really big. And so um, just the knowledge, there is there's something to be said that we have this black naval aviator that we don't know anything about and him being the first one. We always know about the first one and somehow we don't know about him. Um, so it's just the exposure, it's just the knowledge, but also, um, you know, Jesse's remains aren't here. They're still there. And so there is this hope that with enough conversation, with enough press, with enough interest, at least the conversation can be started to be able to get his remains home and actually have a place to, you know, lay him to rest properly. And so, um, I think more than anything, between those two things, that's what's most important for me in now that the film is done and we're presenting it to people, have that. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for, for sharing that. And of thank course. you for being a part of this film. You you did such an incredible <laughs> job. And thank we you. can't wait to see you and Shirley. I look forward oh, to seeing that story. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. It was a pleasure speaking of with you Of course. Listen, have me anytime. Please be safe. Be well. You too. <laughs> Bye, darling. Enjoy your weekend. All right, you too. You take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.